know there are some financial coaches out there who are going to completely contradict what I'm saying. Once you get it under control, you can use credit cards as a weapon. Baby, you get points back. I fly, mm. we fly, we fly to places and we've flown to Miami for free because I use my Southwest points. We've flown to Vegas for free because I've used my Southwest points. We've flown to Mexico for free because I've used my Southwest points. Oh. So, so it's like you have to use them strategically. Don't just get a credit card that has no reward or benefit to it and then don't stack up debt and not pay it off. Seven years, they had $35,000 of insufficient funds fees. Like what? Funds fees. $35,000? Not debt, just insufficient funds fees. Insufficient funds fees. That's ridiculous. And so that's just an example. Because they charge you like $50, $30 anytime something happens, right? So what's that math? How many times did you insufficiently fund? A whole lot. A whole lot, girl. Welcome to the Generation Freedom Podcast. I'm Nady, I'm your host, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in Houston, Texas. Since starting my private practice, I realized I wanted a platform to share what I've learned on my journey to finding myself and my own freedom in a way that I can't do in session. So I started this podcast as a way to use my voice and expertise to share how I'm learning to improve my wellness and connection to myself every day. This platform is for you if, like me, you're working towards becoming who you truly want to be and the best version of that person. So expect to hear all things mental health, finding life balance, wellness, and interpersonal relationships. I really hope you enjoy the content on this podcast, but please know that what you hear on this platform is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a mental health professional. Okay, let's get started. Okay, let's get started. I'm very excited to talk about money and finances uh, with our guest today, Kayla. Kayla Bell, welcome. Hello. Hi. Lovely to have you. I'm I'm really excited and also nervous because money is something that I am personally not super comfy about. I don't talk about it really easily or understand it even. So having someone like you is really, really handy. So hopefully others will learn from this and I will as well as I always do when we talk about these things. You know, you're not most people don't understand what's going on with their money. And then when they think they understand, they realize, oh, my gosh, like when we were talking about interest, they're like, oh, wait, that's like, like, why does it do that? It's a whole other layer to it. It just adds more. It's just more and more layers to the whole thing. Obviously, first things first, I would like the audience, anyone listening to know a little bit about you. I've known you over a decade, I think it's 2021. So over a a decade, but nobody else, or maybe they do, I don't know, but tell us about you and a little bit about your journey, maybe if you can, to becoming a finance coach, a CFO, um, a freelance CFO, I should say. And, and what is a finance coach exactly? Like, what do you do? Okay, so a lot of questions, but I'm going to try to answer all of them. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) So my journey, I'm from Houston, you know, born, raised, whoop, whoop, whoop. I decided to go to Texas A&M University, and that is where I met you. And I got my degree in management information systems. Oh, I don't actually know if I knew what your degree was. (laughs) Yeah, management information. That's why I know so much about computers. (laughs) Ah, yes. Excel. Excel queen. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Excel, SQL, do me on up. I got it. Now, if we're talking about like software technology, oh, I just be banging the computer like the rest of us. I'm like, why isn't this working? And at one point I was working two jobs. I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to make it. I'm going to finish with the least amount of debt as possible. Like my parents put the fear of God in me. They were like, don't take out loans when you don't need them. And I didn't. 
<laughs> fortunately, uh, A&M paid for like my education, but they didn't pay for my room and board. Um, so room and board and room and board books, all that I had to pay for. And that's the only thing I took my student loans out for. And I always took like the bare minimum. So most of the time I had to work to buy groceries, pay the utilities bill, pay my phone bill, put gas in my car so I could get to work. Um, those were all the challenges I faced in school by trying to live frugally. And A&M was fun. It was challenging. I would say it was the best, worst four years of my life. Like I remember breaking Not down. The best worst. It was the best worst. Like I had breakdown moments. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna graduate. My parents are gonna be like, oh my gosh, she's a failure. Mm. And <laughs> which I'm not alone. You know, a lot of us felt like that. Right. But I pushed through. I made it. I graduated. I entered corporate America. I was like, I'm never going back to school. Like, nah. And I worked for like three years as a systems analyst and I loved it. I was like, this is amazing. And then my daddy was always on my shoulder, like, when you go back to school, when you go back to school. And so that's when I decided to get my MBA in healthcare administration. And when I finished that program, I was like, oh, I, I actually thought you were going to school for something different. Both times. I didn't know what your degree was in. Look at me both times. Well, maybe you thought, maybe you were thinking of my second master's because right after the first master's program, I took a semester and then I got a second master's in computer information systems and business analytics. Is that business analytics. Know? That does sound familiar. I didn't know you got okay. two master's degrees. You out here and like, yes. you are out here. You're one of those yeah. black women. Wow. Yes. Overeducated and doing way too much. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> common, <laughs> common problem. One of them. Right. Um, But while I was in my MBA program, it hit me like, why do I have all of this debt? Like, I don't understand. How did my credit card bill get to $10,000? Like, what was I doing? Where is I spending my money? And yeah, I was like, this is ridiculous. And so in between my income tax money and some of the money I got back from school, I paid it off. I was like, we started fresh. I'm going to be debt free. I, I swear it. I promise you. About eight to nine months later, <laughs> my credit card bill had creeped on back up. Oh, and I was yeah. like, what, what did I do? And oftentimes you will hear me preach, you know, is it do you have a, do you really have an income issue or do you have a spending issue? I had a spending issue. Like I was balling. Yeah. I went from a low salary. And when I had a low salary, I, it was literally income, but I was still spending more than I needed to be spending. So then when my income increased, I went from having the income I needed to be successful and to pay off all of my bills every month, but I was still balling out. Right. right and so- right that is what was the trigger for me that I needed more structure and I wanted to put focus into living my best life but living my best life within reason because like in the future I want to try I want to travel the world like I don't want to have to work because I have to work I want to work because I love what I'm doing and I'm just happy doing it that's kind of like what triggered me becoming a financial coach because I realized I wasn't alone. There were so many people out there who were not like financially educated. The thing that, the part that I skipped over is I went to Barnes and Noble and bought an entire bookshelf of books on personal finances and money management because I was like, I got a problem. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really interesting. That's how you found, I think we we both found the, uh, what is it? The Profit First that book yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. I'm and I'm like I need I need to be better like I can't I can't ruin <laughs> I my need life to be better I just need to <laughs> like I need to be better I need to educate myself and so I educated myself I did trial and error on myself I listened to you know these big names people that we hear all the time and what it all boils down to is everyone is different you can hear what someone else says and it sounds all fine and dandy like okay like losing weight right they tell you what example they tell you what you need to do you need to eat at a calorie deficit and you need to move and you need to work out you do those things and you still don't lose weight and you're like well what's going on it's not necessarily the weight it's also the uh, your body composition how is your body changing but 
you're still not hitting your goal. And you're like, but I'm doing everything that you told me. Right. And that's kind of how money management is. You're doing everything that everyone tells you to do, but you're not doing something specifically tailored and designed for you. Right. I created a plan for myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And that's what ended up getting me down that road of financial coaching. What opened me up to becoming a virtual CFO is that, I realized that I had all of the skills and knowledge and I could help small businesses determine what's profitable, what's not profitable. Can they meet their uh, goals? A lot of people don't realize. So I'm an, I'm an analytics expert in my day job and in my business. What a lot of people don't realize is that most things can be determined by numbers. So what is your profit margin how are you trying to hit that profit and a lot of that can be plugged into a spreadsheet and you can get an estimation okay there's a formula there's a formula formula. everything there's a formula for everything like there is you know you want to be able to afford that purse i got you let's enter into the formula (laughs) i got a formula for that that's so funny to me because my brain does not work that way like that's hilarious to me i see patterns i can see the future (laughs) in ways i cannot like this is the maths to to that all i can tell you is this is what it is this is what it will be in order Mm -hmm. you know but i can't i can't tell you how i can't give you that that's so interesting and that's like that's a different in that's a difference in perception and explaining you know so some people are all about the numbers I need to know exactly what is the breakdown for this, 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 and that. And then some people are just like, okay, you need to tell me just like in English, what's happening. And I'm English. English is me. She's me. Like when you asked me the question about interest and I was like, it's, it's going, it's, it's not going to the, it's principal balance. It's all going to interest. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that you're paying. That's why you have to pay more. So a lot of people, they get trapped in that interest game because yeah. they don't realize that when you are making a payment on a loan, your payment is kind of like two things. One is going towards the actual balance. And then one is going towards interest. Um, the lower the payment, that means the lower the amount is going towards the principal. That means you're going to be paying forever. Right, which is the actual balance. The principle is the actual balance. Principle is the actual balance. Mm-hmm. Yes. You learn, you live and you learn. So you went through this whole journey, realized for yourself, okay, I need to be better. I'm going to fix this. And then realize, you know what? Other people don't know these things. I want to help all these other people. Now, I want to ask specifically about people of color because I assume you probably have a few clients or maybe most of your clients mm-hmm. are black or at least uh, people of color, right? Like, yes. are you fi- do you find any similarities with with people that you're saying don't have the, the financial knowledge and don't understand sure. the, like difficulties around money like or saving money or habits? For sure, for sure, for sure. Biggest thing, which speaking to a therapist, you're going to be like, duh, trauma, trauma, (laughs) trauma, everyone is traumatized, like they are all traumatized. Uh, You know, the biggest roadblock in communities of color is this fear of discussing your finances with your parents, your family and your friends, which is crazy because you know what rich people do? Talk about money. They talk about money. They like, hey, I'm invested in this. You should invest in this. Right. I just uh, they made a million hey, over I just, here. I just made 100K over here. You need I to just, put your money over here. Yes. Yes. Or they're like, you know what? I just bought this boat and I got it at a good price. I know you've been talking. You wanted a boat too. Go buy it. I mean, granted, we can't go buy no boat, but you get where I'm going with it. Like it's, it's the do. principle of yeah. They're sharing. We're not. We keep our mouths closed and we're all like, oh, everybody just want to be in my business. So <laughs> trauma. That makes a lot was of there sense. A, yeah. Was there a point in time in which people of color were targeted when they had even just a little bit of wealth? Right. Yes. So right. I would say that it is trauma that we that our ancestors experienced that has been passed down to us. And it has created this habit of keeping your mouth closed because you don't want to mess up your blessing. Exactly. But at the same time, you're confining that blessing to yourself. You're not sharing it. You're not educating. You're not bringing your community up with you. 
And like, that's the biggest thing. Like people ask me questions and they're like, you know, why do you talk about this? Or why do you talk about that? And why don't you care that you're talking about this? You know, throwing out your laundry. And I'm like, well, if you don't make the same mistake I did, then I at least helped one person, didn't I? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I would say, you know, keeping the mouth closed, it's it's a backwards form of thought and it keeps us trapped in this cycle of making the exact same mistakes that our parents made. Yeah. Unfortunately, in, unfortunately in communities of color, especially communities of color where I'm going to use middle class for an example, because I grew up like lower middle class. I probably, my husband and I are probably considered middle class right now. Mm-hmm. Um those in the middle class, whether upper, lower, middle class, even people in lower class, but like at the top, you know, mm-hmm. they stay in the same predicament that their parents were in. Mm-hmm. They hardly generational ever curse. It's a generational curse. They hardly ever progress. And if they do progress, it's only a little bit higher. And that's because A, either their parents were not educated financially, like they just were doing what they thought they were supposed to be doing. You know, I'm going to pay off my bills. I'm going to save this money. Yes, pay off your bills, save money, invest, have a diverse portfolio. You need to do all of those things in order to hit your goals. But I will be the first one to tell you, if you don't have your money right, I don't want to hear you talking about investing because at the end of the day, you don't have money to lose. If you're investing, you got money to lose. You got enough money to burn. But I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, historically, obviously, Black folks specifically have had to keep secrets. We have to make sure that we don't tell nobody nothing because so white folks don't find out and try to hurt us. We have to be the best, look the best, be quiet, don't say nothing, Mm -hmm. just keep your head down so you're not noticed so they don't target you. We are in a different world now. It's 2021. Not that they're not still targeting us. We're we're more in the limelight now, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is so easy to to put someone on blast if they are doing something that they should not be doing right. or if you are attacked or targeted. Exactly. But I I did want to take this opportunity to, to put one challenge to your audience. Uh-huh. Ask your parents or some friends, what's one money mistake that they made that they wish they knew ahead of time? That's the first step you can make into removing this gap about talking about finances. So I asked my mom, what was the biggest money mistake that she ever made? And she said credit cards and credit cards can definitely put a damper on things if you are balling out. And I'm speaking from experience, but once you get it under control, and I know there are some financial coaches out there who are going to completely contradict what I'm saying. Once you get it under control, you can use credit cards as a weapon, baby, you get points back. I fly, Mm -hmm. we fly, we fly to places and we've flown to Miami for free because I use my Southwest points we've flown to Vegas for free because I've used my Southwest points we've flown to Mexico for free because I've used my Southwest points Uh, (laughs) so so it's like you have to use them strategically don't just get a credit card that has no reward or benefit to it and then don't stack up debt and not pay it off these are I mean it sounds it sounded pretty simple just then when you said it it sounded pretty simple, but maybe it's one of those easier said than done kind of situations because it's hard. It's super, super hard to, I think, number one, remove your debt. But two, I think my biggest issue is always saving, saving, saving. I can't mm. ever like save mm. enough. That's a like, good one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the savings thing is always a thing for me specifically, but I think all of it, the way you just described it, it sounds like you can do it. It's easy. Okay, with the idea of it being kind of overwhelming to some people, complicated to to people like me, what's your suggestion as the expert for where to start? Because what you just said was really cool. Again, sounded simple. Where do you begin? Okay, that's actually a great question. Super great question. And the answer to that is going to be what people don't like doing. (laughs) You need to list out every single last thing that you spend your money on and I'm not saying everything 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 but not like everything everything but kind of sort of you know (laughs) like (laughs) you need to print out your last three bank statements the last three months normally gives you a great picture of what you're spending your money on Mm -hmm. 
You need to categorize these things, you know, is it food? And when I say food, I'm talking about, is it groceries or is it fast food or is it restaurants? Mm, you two, different things, two different things. Three different things. You'll be surprised. Mm. Um, and then, you know, list all out, uh, all of your expenses out. And then the, the number one thing that you'll be very surprised on is if you ask someone how much money you make, they normally say what they make before taxes. Like they don't know what they actually get each month. And so that's very detrimental because you can be out here screaming from the rooftops, you know, like I make $60,000 a year. Let me pull out my calculator real quick. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if someone $60,000 $60,000 and we're going to go on a, a with a 26, which is uh 26 pay periods, which is a bi-weekly schedule. So I'm going to divide that by 26. Mm. That's $2,300 roughly per paycheck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, most people make after they do their 401k and they're paying their taxes and everything, they are usually making anywhere from 12 to 15 percent less than what the salary is so i'm gonna multiply it by 15 percent. so i'm gonna take nine thousand dollars off of our sixty thousand. when someone say oh i make sixty thousand nine thousand is a lot off that huh that takes off nine thousand dollars if you take off 15 percent. 15 percent. oh wow so $60,000 times 15% is $9,000. So that wow. means that they're You're actually only really making 50,000. Right, 50. We'll call it 50. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll you 50,000. We'll use that. And then if you do 50,000 divided by 26, you're really only making 1,900 per paycheck. So you just went from 23 to 1,900. And All that is important when it comes to calculating everything. So I want you to know exactly how much money you make per a per paycheck Mm -hmm. per month per per year. Like all of that. So all of that is per year. So everything after the taxes, 401k, everything. And now you have that amount. And right now I'm speaking on a monthly basis. We're gonna take our monthly income and we're gonna minus our monthly expenses. Mm. That money that's left in the financial world is called discretionary income. Mm. And oftentimes you will hear people say that black people don't have, well, not even as black people, people of color don't have discretionary income. Mm. Or if they have discretionary income, they spend it on everything and their money just goes straight out the window they're not investing it they're not saving it blah 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 so i know and discretionary discretionary income i highly recommend you use that to pay off your debt invest on you take trips with it you use it you know for spending money as well you know we treat ourselves to a nice meal every now and then but the discretionary income is how you build wealth so if you do income minus expenses and you get a negative number, that means that you balling out and you need to get under control. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's happened yeah. to me before. That's definitely I, it's happened. It's happened to a few of us. It's happened to a few of us before. <laughs> We're not alone. Nobody's alone. That is yeah, nobody's really, alone. really interesting that you say that. You know, I just I just have to say, just as a side note, from all the things that I have learned as an adult period, but working with you and now on the other side of uh, working in corporate America and being an entrepreneur now, I have learned quite a bit more about money only to realize that I don't think I've ever seen a time where my expenses were not more than what I was making, than what the fuck I was making until now, until 2020. Until now. Until 2020. (laughs) There's never been a time. And I thought, I thought I was doing great. I thought I was doing well. 
One of the biggest things that I see that keeps people, remember when I was talking about that generational curse where they're still staying in the same financial bracket as their parents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want you to think about people who we went to A&M with who got a college degree in something and then what do they do for a living? You said they're a photographer? They're photographers now. Real estate agents. Yeah. Real estate agents. Everything like in order else. to be a real estate agent, you didn't have to go to school. That's debt that you didn't have to take out in order to be a real mm-hmm. estate agent. To right. be a photographer, you probably could have did a few boot camps and did that. You didn't have to go to school. You didn't have to take on that debt. Mm-hmm. And so this debt you've now taken on, it's holding you back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then also there are people who we went to school with and I'm going to, I'm not picking on degrees here. I'm just going to pick a random degree. Mm-hmm. They got a degree in theater. Okay. Which is not a thing at Texas A&M. So there you go. It's not a thing at Texas A&M, but they got a degree in theater, mm-hmm. right? And now they are a janitor. Right. That energy. That energy, right? It would have like, been, what's the equivalent of that? It would be like, at what was it? Like ag science or like, there was, there was yeah. a major like that, not theater, like not something that you could utilize in any way in, uh, in other places right yes. it was like ag science or ag something or other but you're you've now put all this debt on yourself but you're making an income that is significantly lower than what is expected of someone who comes out of college right 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 100 percent. and I mean that applies to a lot of things a lot of mm-hmm. jobs even counseling and degrees that actually will take you pretty much on a pretty strict track right you go to nursing school you get a job as a nurse whatever there are lots of jobs that don't actually pay us what we're worth air quote is not enough to cover the degree that I just spent all this money on basically like had I stayed in the hospital have if you work as a therapist I'm thinking like if I stayed in the hospital or worked at an agency still or those kinds of things they do not pay you enough to pay off this debt that I yeah. that I got trying to get this degree that I'm now using to work for you with so mm-hmm. definitely regardless there's hell of yeah. a hella of us with and that that's how you issue. End up trapped and that's how you end up in that circle there are people uh someone who is close to our family who has a degree in math and he's a cook I mean he's happy in his life right happy in his life Good. but like an instance of someone who took the time they did what society told them to do they went to college they got a degree and now in general they're like why am I stuck why am I stuck here why can't I move forward it is also about the path that you're choosing to follow like I knew like my first job out of college I was making pennies like underpaid for the market but severely when I tell you I was one of the best employees they had I was learning how to do everything everything now now I make pretty decent money I'm not gonna complain I make enough money to accomplish my dreams right and for my husband and I take trips and that that's really all that I and my husband not to take trips we just want to take trips that's all we we're trying to, to do trips. not that's asking for too to much <laughs> I'm not asking not. for much here we just we're not. Take trips. but I if there was one message I could leave to people and it, it's you might be happy right and if you happy ignore me but if you upset or like you feel like you got the short end you need to reassess your resume yeah. And you need to get some friends to look at it and you need to do right. some mock interviews. And, and maybe just call you. Hell, maybe just And you. you know, maybe just call me because I I mean I will help you, but I also know some career coaches that will help you mm. because that's like one of the biggest things that I see. They keep people trapped in generational curses. They go out, they get all this debt, and then they go and do something that's completely not related to their degree and they're underpaid for the degree that they earned. Right. And you know what they call that? What you just described being trapped in the cycle and you're unhappy. We call that your locus of control, where you feel like your locus of control is Mm. outside of you. It's external. All my circumstances have caused me thus to be here versus Mm -hmm. having an internal locus of control where you say, okay, things have happened. I can, I can do this to change it. I was kind of a part of it by doing this and whatever. So 
that yes. internal locus of control is what you need to be able to take a hold and change your circumstance, especially yes. as an adult. Like you said, if you're happy, you're happy, live your best life. But if you're not a child and you have some means and it's not a, like you said, an income issue, you have income, there's changes you can make. Obviously, if you don't have the income, it's going to be a lot harder. If you're living in poverty, there's going to be some other work and you just need to eat and survive. But Mm -hmm. if you have moved out of that, and like you said, middle class level, lower middle class level, there are changes that you can make. make. If you go out and you get a college degree and you make it less than $30,000, you got a problem and we need to talk. There are teachers well, Texas actually pays teachers very well. In Texas, teachers make more than $30,000 a year. So you need to reassess your life. Right. Now, if you went out to college and you're not a teacher and you make less than 50, 55. Mm-hmm. And went to college. And you all went to that college. Money. All and you spent all that money. You need to reassess your life. And if you right. went and you got a whole nother degree, you got a master's degree and you are making less than 65, 75, depending on what the degree is in. Uh, really, if you're making less than 80, boo, you need to reassess your life. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. It really is. It is It is a tragedy, I tell you, that we are out here living like this. Because when I graduated from the Texas A&M University, I what? definitely was making, I was making, let's say $1,000 a week for a while. I was making about $1,000 a week for a while, which was cool, but I hated that job. So you do the math. Okay. You I'm about to pull out the calculator. Move the calculator out. But I, I hated that job. So I quit and I went to making $10 an hour, which I know has to be less than $1,000 a week. Yeah. You went from like $52,000 mm-hmm. a year to like, if we just did 10 times and this is, this is um you know pre right is it pre, yeah, pre-taxes and everything pre-tax <laughs> understood understood now if you were making ten dollars an hour you know mm-hmm. working 80 hours and you can pay 26 you know mm-hmm. you were making like twenty one thousand. i was not making any money after that because I, I hated that thousand dollar a week job so i had to leave like it just was what it was mm-hmm. i had to go i didn't like crawling on roofs and crawling under people's houses and murdering animals i just didn't like it so and always when- needed a bath because you was in all that <laughs> ew and i went to that ten dollars an hour job and it was like really ridiculous it was really ridiculous to think mm-hmm. about like where am i supposed to go from here so mm-hmm. I am, I'm in full agreement with this logic, this train of logic we're on. And $10 an hour, you're making more than a minimum wage in America. And realistically speaking, in in almost any metropolitan area, you couldn't afford a nice one bedroom apartment, not in a dangerous area where you could walk your dog at night. Mm -hmm. And that's ridiculous. But guess what? But guess what? I I was in a medium, nice, medium, safe apartment complex, but my my checks did not equal out to my rent. So it was like it was like a game we played. Oh, me, no. me and my dog and my cat me and magic it was like a game we played like oh, all right no. well we gotta push well we gotta pull to make this <laughs> rent work and I didn't go anywhere I didn't go to anybody's wedding I didn't do anything uh, that was 2013 I think 2013 2014 uh I didn't do anything until yeah. 2015 I was like in a very, hole very like I went to college station straight. every now and then I was just in a hole until 2015 because I had no money and that is the reality that a lot of people who are going out here getting their degrees face. So mm-hmm. right out of college, I made. I was eating a lot of tilapia, a lot mm-hmm. of tilapia. You can buy that in bulk. You can buy that right. in bulk. I was eating a lot of tilapia. Cheap. I was thin too. I was thin. <laughs> yeah, we make more money. We didn't got a little fluff. Right. We eat now, girl. <laughs> we eat now. Um, when I graduated from A&M, I was making about 43000 I think it was forty three five. And that sounded like so much money. And like, I just knew like, but that was still under market. Like most people in my major were making around 50, 55. D- Girl, don't even let me talk about 2021. These kids making way more than I was making. These when kids I <laughs> coming out of school, these, these kids, kids, these kids. children. These children. That's so and funny. So 
I thought, you know, like when I first got my first paycheck, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. And I went and spent it. And then the second paycheck, I saved some and then I spent some. But then I was like, I want to move out because I was living with my dad at the time. I was like, I want to move out. I found these not the best apartments, you know, uh, rinky dinky. It was thunder and I, and the apartments were $800. And I was like, this is great. No washer and dryer in the unit. Oh, um, don't wash your clothes at night though. Cause a couple women got attacked. I was like, what is wrong with people? Oh no, not in your own, not in your neighborhood. Oh God. Exactly. I was like, what's wrong with people? Um, so it sounds like a lot of money. And if I had to guesstimate, I think I was making 1200 or around that per paycheck. Um, so let's say I was making $2,400 a month. I immediately had to pay $800 of rent. And then I had to pay about 150 because they were overcharging on that water bill. I had to pay about $150 of water. And then I had to pay $100 of electricity and then if I wanted to eat, which I wanted to eat, and I was probably spending like $300 on groceries. Let's not forget my car note. Oh my gosh. I was Did like, you have a car note back, back then? I, I had a car note back then. I didn't have a car note back then. And then I had student loans and my student loans was a little over $400. I never so, even looked at my student loans until, until like 2017. <laughs> didn't even take a glance <laughs> at them. Glance. They were, they were of no consequence to me. <laughs> I didn't have any money. Like, what is like, what do they want it? from me? Yeah. Like, I can't I give can't you anything. You. Stop calling me. I can't afford um, you. Like, what do you want? So, if you were doing the math with me, one hundred and fifty dollars—that's what I had at the end of each month. And I didn't include gas. Remember, well, I didn't say well. gas when I did everything. When I listed out everything, so it was really less than one hundred and fifty dollars. So I was like scraping pennies out of nowhere. From nowhere. That's what I did all the time. You just put your faith in God, girl. That's what you. Do. <laughs> You just put your faith in God, like money will come, it'll appear. And that's, and money sure did. It used to just appear. And I'd be like, oh, I got $10. Boom, rent, paid, done. Like, girl. So, okay, we have to back up a little bit. You gave us a list of, of places to start. So I want to back up and just like recap what you said. So you told us to make a list of all the things that we spend. And you can do that with three of your last bank statements or something and use that to itemize and then categorize. Where are you spending all the money? Is it on food? Is it on fast food? Is it rent? Is it healthcare? Like, what are you spending it on? Right. And then what was the step after that? You need to know your income. So you know your income, the real income, not real income after. Yes. After taxes. You need to know your real income per paycheck per month and per year. And then take your per month income and minus it on your per month expenses. Mm, And what's left is your discretionary income. And we need that discretionary income to then decide where goes to savings what goes to investing what goes to fun yeah and then if i want to go to happy hour i have discretionary income so i can go to happy hour right you can do that when you were making ten dollars an hour i could barely do that when i was making for you you just counting pennies at that point you like oh well i bought a bottle of wine it's gonna have to last me (laughs) (laughs) who are you telling who are you telling one bottle was about to last the month who are you telling girl that cheap vodka in the plastic bottles like yes, vodka plastic bottle. in plastic bottles not even glass girl that's gone and it's gone last it needs gone to last. y'all can come over here y'all can hang out yeah, over here over here but we can't go nowhere because <laughs> i can't go nowhere <laughs> what a situation wow so okay cool i think that is a really good place to start and, and then you can see and like you said if you're in the negative once you add up all your expenses and then subtract your income from it and then if it's negative, what do you do? If it's negative and your expenses are literally the bare minimum, like use what I just listed out as an example. Mm-hmm. If it's literally you paying your rent, your car note, gas, groceries, and you're somehow in the negative, you have an income issue. Yes. Now. If any of if those are Starbucks or Starbucks, Amazon. And or, Amazon, or, and happy hour every right. every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and brunch right. every Saturday you and Sunday. You see Prospect Park, you see camp, you see where do the kids go? Where do they be going? Wherever the kids go, you have a spending problem. <laughs> I see. I see. 
this i mean the maths make it sound simple the math make it sound easy like if the numbers don't add up the numbers don't add up and you need to you need to make an adjustment because i would bet i would bet my own real money that most people especially the ones like 30 29 32 like in this millennial range are Mm -hmm. very much have the income and are spending on other stuff because that's yeah. what I find for people, even when they're like, oh, I don't know if I can afford your services and blah, 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 blah. First question is, what are you spending? What do you spend your money on? And they list out all these things, living a best life. Nonsense. You just bought a pair of shoes the other day. Or is your health important? So what you just said, 100%, 1,000% 1, mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Most people... There are some people younger, but most people, I would bet 26, 27 up, they usually have the income and they have a spending problem. Yep. Yep. Those are the people who I usually work with. Those are the people who have the money, but they do not know how to manage the money that they have. Right. Because there are people who make over $100,000 a year and they're living paycheck to paycheck. If you, yep. Yep. If you have poor money management at $20,000 a year, you're going to have poor money management at 50, at 60, at 100, at 200. Right. I watch American Greed. There was a a recent representative in 2020, I believe, um, is when 2019 is when like they arrested him and everything. But him and his wife was balling out of control. He made $170,000 a year and his wife didn't work. Why? I don't know. But they made, <laughs> they made, I think his name was Duncan Hunter or something like that. He made $170,000 a year. He lived in California, which is expensive, like right outside of San Diego, which is expensive. His wife didn't work and he's like always in Washington. And I say all this to say that they were living not even paycheck to paycheck. Like they was a negative, negative. Right. Like they were way time. above their means, even with that. Way much. above their means. Yeah. In seven years, they had $35,000 of insufficient funds fees like what funds fees thirty five thousand dollars not debt just insufficient funds fees insufficient funds fees that's ridiculous and so that's just because they charge you like fifty dollars thirty dollars anytime something happens right so what's that math how many times did you insufficiently fund a whole lot a whole lot girl a whole so this man's making one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year um uh, you know his wife wasn't working i don't know why she wasn't working um this is why you know you almost always hear me say it's important for both spouses to be working because but they were spending donor money like first of all they requested and got credit cards to the donor account I didn't know that, that was a thing. I didn't know they could do that. And then they were spending the money like it was just endless. Endless. That's what they thought. Girl, American Greece said they spent $11,000 at Costco. <laughs> at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> I like, what? Costco? I don't get it. Why? What's that? Co- no. What do you need? What do you need in bulk for $11,000? Who knows? And I think they were spending like, uh, in total, maybe they spent like five to $7,000 in Target in one year. And I was like, or did they buy like flat screens and phones? Like they're like, not even they going, they're not even going to, to the Louis store. They're not even going to, they just no. spending obscene amounts of money in silly places. At um, targeting silly stuff. Costco yes so the reason why it was caught is that it was a reporter who was looking up like she was a local reporter and she just decided you know what i'm gonna look him up i'm gonna look and see what, what he's spending his money on and so what she's looking at and she looked it was like stuff at like a gaming arcade and tuition at his kids university and i was like what like you gotta be kidding me like unnecessary stuff and that's how they like that was the first like big thing where people were like oh we need to investigate we need to see what's going on what's going on these people are doing this is like a like a government person just yes he was a state representative a state representative but 
someone making $170,000 a year and they were living paycheck to paycheck. Like they even had an instance where he texted his wife and said, how do I get gas? And she said, go to Exxon because it takes three days to hit the account. These are people making $170,000 a year. They knew they were like, like their shit was falling apart. I can't, I really cannot. So if you don't have it together right now, don't feel bad because there are people. (laughs) Right. At least you're not, what's his name? Duncan Hines. What'd you say his name? Duncan Hunter. Duncan Hunter. Yeah. Duncan or Dylan, something like that. At least you're not Duncan and his wife. That is wild to me. But you, you help people not live that life, right? Like, obviously, like, that's the whole point that you're trying to get people out of this paycheck to paycheck life you gave us some steps to start, but you have different tools that you offer that can help people do that. Right. Yes. That can actually do, you know, cause you have a formula. There's a formula for everything. Yes. You know, it's we can formula. plug it's it in. So you have stuff people can use, right? Mm-hmm. I do. As a financial coach, it's more so dealing with people's personal finances. And so I have a wealth planning tool for them. And this is where they can create their budget. They can see what they're spending their money on. They can create savings goals. They can look at their debt uh, at a high level. And then I have a tool for small businesses and it's called a revenue planning tool. Utilizing this tool, they can say, what are the goals that they want to hit within their business this Mm -hmm. year? Uh, They can even do it on a quarterly basis as well. And then there's like a section where they enter, you know, the types of services that they offer. And, you know, anyone in business knows that you have a funnel. Someone starts here with this free workbook. Eventually, you want them to get over here where they're meeting with you. Right. It's a funnel. Yes, it's a funnel. And so I have a, a piece in the revenue tool that actually helps you plan out what's the next step in the funnel and what are the price tiers for that oh interesting that's Mm. super cool for business I don't have that so the the tool that I I use is that the it's not the wealth management tool is it uh you have the wealth plan tool but the tool that you that I think you're talking about right now is the Mm -hmm. tool that anyone can use small business personal uh finances anything it is the debt projection payoff tool and this tool is designed to help you get out of debt remove debt from your life that's the one that's what I have yes 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 yeah, that's like one of my favorite ones because I love playing with the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you can, because I guess the cool thing about it is that you're able to put in, okay, let's say I can pay this much. This is what the what the minimum is. Let's say I pay this much more on it. And then you can kind of see it'll populate and tell you like how long it's going to take you to pay it off. And it's like, okay, what if I pay double? What if I pay that much? And you can, again, you'll see, oh, okay, it's a lot sooner, whatever, whatever. So you can play around with it until you find what makes sense. And I guess you can put in, each month like if I put in 50 extra bucks here then I can see it but then if it changes and I put in 75 extra bucks there it'll adjust and then you can still see yeah it's that one's a really handy that's actually a really cool too again I don't know how that works I don't know what kind of what kind of hocus pocus (laughs) magic uh it's a bunch of formulas in there it's a bunch of formulas in there um but it helps a lot like people the main thing the reason why I like the formula is I like the shocking like the awe factor because like if I put the if I put the worksheet in front of you right now Mm -hmm. and uh, you owe ten thousand dollars but you were paying twenty five dollars per month towards that right that's the minimum girl that's the minimum that's That's what they said to pay and you're gonna be paying on that forever because literally maybe like five dollars is going towards the principal and the other 20 is going towards interest that's right so you're like paying forever and ever however if you move from 25 dollars to 100 flat mm-hmm. you probably are gonna pay it off in half the time if not even it does, it does get really dramatic when you like it gets so dramatic it's like oh it went from from 2025 to 2022 how is that over a hundred dollar difference over a hundred dollars but that's that's why I like the debt uh projection tool because Mm -hmm. it gives that like oh my gosh like I didn't even realize I didn't know that right what right and so uh it's kind of like that push where you're like okay you know what maybe I can put an extra even extra 25 dollars towards this debt 
Mm -hmm. will make a difference and then but being able to see it how long it'll take look at the actual year and day number I think can be very satisfying so you're like okay if I keep this up this is where it's going to get me and also a little bit motivating to add more and get it done and get get it paid off and I have a one private student loan that mm-hmm. I'd love to get paid off. So thinking about like those that are a little bit smaller, you usually pay them off in four or five years or whatever anyway. Those I think are really motivating to see. All right, like I definitely do this faster mm-hmm. versus like $100,000 in school and government loans for school. Like just, I can't even, like it's I a, can't even. So in reality, most of the time your student loans aren't one big loan. You see this one amount, but it's usually like, They do a loan per semester. Most schools, some do it one loan for the whole year. You can target your loan, student loan payoff, and you can just pay off one student loan at a time. Like uh, I've done that before and I paid, I've only paid off, well, technically I paid off two. I paid off one to the school and then I paid off one loan because I just made targeted payments to it. Uh, So if that's a question you have, we can take that off and I can help you with that. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Yes. Yes. This is a public service announcement. (laughs) Do not take out a private student loan. Well, it's too late now. It's too late now. It's already happened. It was an emergency. Do not take out a private student loan if the interest rate is higher than the current federal government interest rate on student loans. Oh, that would be something. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have known as a... As a 20-year-old. Yeah, as a 20-year-old, you probably wouldn't wouldn't have known that. So now this goes back to talking to people. Right. Going to college and you tell them, hey, don't you take on no private loan. Don't don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Because those loans are designed to keep you in debt. Because what's going to happen is the interest rate is usually something outrageous, right? So let's say the federal interest rate, uh, depending on the type of loan, it can be either 3 or 6%. We're going to go with Five. Okay. I'm gonna say five percent for what 5%. we do in my example. Five percent. You take out this private student loan for only, only five thousand dollars because it's all Small, you need. little You're bit, nothing. Right. Right? Little, little bitty loan. Little bitty loan, and you took it out your sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Interest rate is fifteen percent. Right. Sounds accurate. Mm-hmm. And when you graduate, two to three years later. Your pro- your federal student loan, if it was subsidized, I believe I'm saying this right, but I'm going off the top of my head. If it was subsidized, then I mean that you had no interest rate the entire time you were in school. Mm-hmm. If it was non-subsidized, then you accum- accumulated interest this entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the full calculator in front of me, so we're going to go estimates right now. Okay. So after you graduated, if you would have took out a federal non-subsidized loan that accumulated interest at 5%. Right. Then that five thousand dollar loan is now like sixty five hundred. Okay, not 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 a big jump. Not a big jump. Not a big jump. But that five thousand dollar loan that you took out at fifteen percent from that private uh company mm-hmm. is now almost twenty thousand dollars. Totally for sure. Like that's ridiculous. So. <laughs> like it's literally out. it's like literally ridiculous like ridiculous. there's no other words it's ridiculous. literally ridiculous ridiculous <laughs> i guarantee you the only people who are out here taking out these private student loans are uh people who are in the lower income and people who are lower middle class or middle class who didn't have anyone to tell them people who are in the like upper middle class and like the top tier i don't know what you call those people they're not taking out those type of loans. First of all, they say for the kids tuition. Right. The child is even born. Or okay. they, right. They have trust funds or something. <laughs> they have they, trust funds or something. Money. Right. But if There's they money. do got to take out a loan, I guarantee you it's not coming from no private bank. Right. They took the, the little chunk out their mama's life insurance policy or something. They didn't or do something. that. Yes. They didn't do all that. That is true. And that is just it's all it's all just it's just a travesty the whole thing but I do I love the idea of being able to have this stuff more accessible having tools like what you offer having like just simple ways like especially even I'm sure even just like following you and people like you online it can it can probably help educate and understand 
money a little bit better. And just on the idea of debt, though, just with that idea, since we're over here, I'd love to know for you, because you mentioned paying off a couple of your loans. How? What is the key then to mastering eliminating some debt? You just said, if I want to pick a loan or, you know, separate it out a school loan or a car note, I want to pay off pretty quickly. What's your recommendations for the debt payoff? So remember when I said, <clears throat> every plan is unique to you. So yes, ma'am. There's, there's no one generic answer to that. However, if I wanted to help you to make a decision that was beneficial to you, I would say that you need to list out all of your debts, the interest rate for each debt and the minimum payment. I'm going to have you creating all types of lists, y'all. I will say these are all these spreadsheets, <laughs> these spreadsheets. All types of lists. Now, once you do that, you need to decide the approach you want to take to paying off your debt. Do you want to pay off things with a higher interest rate first? This is going to take longer, but it is very beneficial because you end up saving money in the end because you're paying off all those high interest things first. That's option number one. That's option number one. Uh, you want to look at the overall debt owed. So, you know, like, let's say you had three debts. One was $200. One was $1,000. One was $5,000. You would start with the lowest one first, and then you would work your way up to the biggest debt. That's actually called the snowball one. I was going to say, I think that's like the most popular, like air quote, mm -hmm, that I see with financial people. That's the most popular because you keep your momentum going. And once you pay off that $250 one, you're like, ah, I did it. Now I can work through this $1,000 one. And then you pay that off, you're like, ah did this it's five thousand it's a joke watch me pay it off you just have so much more momentum Mm -hmm. um those are usually the two most popular ones um another one is starting with whichever one has the minimum payment first or the highest payment that way you can use that payment towards a different debt oh if you start with the one that has the highest minimum say you have to pay $500. If you pay that one off, then you get accustomed to spending that $500 $500. on something. So you just move it to the next one and that's smaller. It's less than that. Interesting method. Interesting. Most people though, who work with a financial coach who uh, like myself, then you're probably going to do a mix. It will probably be a mix of factors. What are your Mm. personal goals? What's going on in your life right now? And then what will be the impact if we pay this off versus this off? Mm -hmm. So you need to decide which approach works best for you. Yeah. Now, there are, I'm going to input that there are a couple ways where you can kind of reduce the interest Mm-hmm. And that is by taking out a personal loan, yeah. usually at your local bank or one of the big banks online. Um, they have some other lending companies as well. Uh, we used Upstart and we combined all of our credit card debt and we just did it that way. Mm-hmm. And there's usually no penalty for paying it off early. Mm-hmm. Another way is to do a balance transfer from one credit card to another. Mm. This is usually nice because the fee is like 3% or less. And it's usually like if you pay it off in 18 months, then, you know, it's going to be zero. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not, you're not paying it. You're not 0% interest. And then the, the fee is usually only like 3%. I've done balance transfers and I've done the personal loan. I will say that if the debt is small, a thousand or 2000 or less. Yeah. And you know you're not going to be able to really pay it off now, but you want like 18 months to do it. Mm-hmm. A balance transfer is great. Yeah. But if you have a large amount of debt, like 5000 or over, I would highly suggest looking at personal loans, looking at the interest rate. The interest rate for the personal loans, to me, are so high, but they're usually lower than what a lot of people are paying on their credit cards. Ah, like if it's lower than what what your current interest rate is, it's yeah. it's better. It's better. And you should definitely look at it and take it as an option. So with that being said, those are two ways that you can uh, readjust your debt so that it's in a confined area and you're just paying it like you combined it all and you're paying it off that way. Now, 
if you don't want to combine it all and you want to attack it one at a time, then if we kept going down our list, uh, you would start paying extra on one debt, one debt based on what you determined was your best approach for yourself. So focus is key. Do not try to pay an extra $50 on all of your debts at the same time. You're going to forever be in debt. Pick one. Pick one. If that one debt you're paying $50 extra to it per month, maybe own that $50. Okay. And then once you have it paid off and you move to the next debt, you now have that 50 plus the minimum payment that you were supposed to be paying towards it when you added on the 50. So like now you have, an, I'm gonna say 75. Now you have an extra $75 to pay towards the next item on your list mm-hmm. and so on and so on and so on. And you just- uh, You're you're on, you're hype over here, girl. She's on fire. Yes. yes. And then the very last step, which is most important is keep going. Mm. Do not stop, keep the momentum. And after each goal, it is okay to celebrate. Kayla, it's okay to spend money. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I I said it's okay to celebrate. (laughs) Meaning it's okay, you know, if you want to go out and buy that that nice salmon and cook it at home. That nice, not the nice salmon. I think a steak is what other people might do. Well, I don't don't eat meat. So for me, it'd be a nice salmon, you know, or you want to do brunch at home. You can invite a friend or two over and have, you know, each one bring something over and y'all just do brunch at your house. But if you do want to go out, I'm only giving you one extra out time, but it has to be within budget. Has to be with your, with your, uh, What's the income? Your discretionary income. Discretionary income. I'm yeah. learning. I'm keeping up. I see. I see I'm keeping up. Wow. A lot of things. You gave us a lot of things. I want to back up a little bit back to you for mm-hmm. a quick second because our platform over here on Generation Freedom is all about wellness, right? And I have you here because I feel that financial wellness is a dimension of wellness that we need to be focused on and paying attention to, to be our best Mm -hmm. selves, our happiest, you know, our fullest, most fulfilled, right? So I would love to know from you, I'm sure you pour a lot of focus into that area, but what other areas Mm -hmm. of your wellness are important to you? What do you recommend for other people? And if they are trying to focus on finances, are there other areas you think will be closely related that they need to also be looking at? That's that last part. That's Oh yeah. Two part question. Um, I want to say every single one is important. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Every every single one is important. Every (laughs) one is something that you should be incorporating in your life um but if i had to say the ones that like stuck out to me other than financial would be uh physical mental and uh, a mix between like social creative cultural Mm -hmm. like i kind of feel like those are all on the same spectrum and i would say that if you are disciplined in your finances it is very yeah. easy to be disciplined physically. Ooh, so those are very in other places. I see. In other places. It's very, it's very easy to carry that over. So if you're if you are concerned about your physical health, then you're probably going to be making conscious decisions about your finances and vice versa. And if you have emotional stability, I didn't mention that dimension, but if you have emotional stability, mm-hmm. then you probably are going to be good with your finances. A lot of people impulse buy or they stress buy. Right. Um, and to reduce that, you just, you, it, <clears throat> you have to be aware, which I'm pretty sure you talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware and you have to, you have to understand that, your financial journey is yours. And while it seems like you're the only one who might be drowning, you're not. There are other people who are in very similar predicaments as yourself and it's okay. But for me personally, especially in 2020, you know, being locked up inside, not unable to up. do anything, <laughs> locked up, I would say I, it was very apparent that my mental health was on the line. 
For sure. And I, I never thought that because I was like, I'm a homebody. This is completely fine. You know, I like staying at home. Right. But then the, as, as more time goes on, you're right. like, uh, wait, am I really okay? And so I definitely say that my mental health is like super important. And then I want to be my best self because I don't want to experience a health problem at a young ripe age of 29 what like you know if I go out I'm trying to go out like over a hundred you know yeah that's what I'm saying I'm trying to live forever that's what I said (laughs) I'm trying trying to live live forever forever. like I don't ever need to die I want to see what happens I I like life I like life I want to see what happens I want to watch it all unfold that's really good that's super super important I just wanted to make sure we got we mentioned that and now I want to flip back to just recapping those debt elimination um methods that you gave us because I do think those are those are really important so I just want to make sure we are clear so there's no one size fits all is how I understand it right Mm -hmm. However, you can do one of these things or a combination of these things. And probably if you had a coach, right, they'd be able to like walk you through it a little bit better of like really what's going to work for you. What's, you know, you can trial and error with the person and they can give you all the Mm -hmm. techniques, but let's say someone's just going to get up and do this on their own. So we still need a list of all our debts, everything we owe to whoever we owe them to all those interest rates Mm -hmm. that correspond with each debt and what the minimum payment on each debt is as well. Right. We need all three of those to start with. And then we can yes. decide well, wait, wait, what. Wait, I want to add, you want to know your overall debt too. I forgot something. And you want the, the big number, balance. the total balance. Yeah, you want the big number as well. For how much you owe overall. That makes sense. And then once you have all that listed out, written out in your spreadsheet, whatever, then you can decide if you want to start with where your highest interest rate is, where mm-hmm. your um, highest... Which one was it where the highest um, minimum payment is? Mm-hmm. And what was the other option? Start with, or the smallest balance. Or the the, the smallest balance mm-hmm. for the overall debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the lowest minimum payment or the largest minimum payment. The lowest or the largest, either one. Okay, well, I really appreciate your time uh, this evening. It's been really, really lovely. And I, I appreciate all the insight you're willing to give us because I know you do this for a living. So it was very kind of you to bless us with this knowledge um, and for people that, that really, you know, may need it to help with their financial well-being and just improving their circumstance maybe easy and it just may be easier than they think you know so thank you so much for that how if people are looking for you where can they find you can they can we use any of your your tools do we have to coach with you to get a tool or are those available outside give me the rundown no you do not have to be a client with me in order to get access to my tools my tools are available on my website fullerthanlife.com and it's fuller f-u-l-l-e-r i include instructional videos (laughs) with the tools so that you can figure out how to use them for those of us for those (laughs) of us yes And they are available on my website. So yes, if you want to tackle your money, but you don't know if financial coaching is for you, or if you were like, you know what, I want to try it by myself, then I have my tools available online. These are the same tools that I use when I'm helping people. So there's no switcheroo. That's beautiful. I love it. I appreciate that. I think that's it. Yes, let's get that money right. Yeah, it must be done. Thank you for sharing all of this once again. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.